Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. On today's show, we're going to talk a ton of basketball once again, and we're going to do our postseason awards, uh, talk about some maybe some players we're excited for to see next season, things like that. And then in the back half, we're going to continue with basketball. We're going to do, I don't know if you guys have seen it, um, I'll make sure to link to it on our Bucky's Fifth Quarter podcast podcast post, but we've been having a fan favorite bracket going around on Bucky's fifth quarter, and then there's been a fun $15 pick your player chart that we're going to debate at the end. Um, So we'll get to all that, kind of do some fun hypotheticals and talk basketball because we're still a little ways away from sports, so we're trying to make sure we hit on anything fun and interactive that we can do. So uh, when we do that, make sure you guys check out the bracket and, uh, you know, Give us uh, some feedback on what you guys think uh, on that and, of course, on the uh, $15 thing and, and the awards. So we like to hear from you. Matt, how are you doing tonight? We're recording late this evening. Yeah, it's a little later than normal, but um, I'm doing good. I'm uh, just ready to talk a little basketball. It's, it feels like it's been a, in a, been a while here lately just because uh, really this whole secure and hold basically has been – like two, three weeks, and it just feels like it's been forever. It feels like a year ago at this point that we were watching basketball. But how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's kind of – it just seems to be like one day seems like it's, you know, three or four at this point where – uh, it doesn't seem like uh, it's it's real, you know, a reality that basketball was was supposed to be going on right now. Cause it seems so far distant, uh, you know, from what's going on and from kind of my mind at this point. And thankfully, I've kind of gotten over the March Madness aspect of it. Uh, although last weekend on Saturday, I was thinking, man, there'd be Elite Eight games on right now, which kind of sucked. But uh, it is what it is, and we're just going to keep moving on. And and I think we've got some fun basketball to talk about uh, to kind of keep us engaged in some sports when there's not really much going on. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, let's get right into the awards. Um, we, we decided to come up with just some end-of-the-year stuff, basically looking back on the 2019-20 season. Uh, and the first one that I wanted to talk about was just the game of the year. And I, I, I had, there was a couple that you could definitely debate, um, so I was interested to see kind of where we went on this one. But what do you think was the game of the year for the Badgers in this 2019-2020 season? I think there's a really, you know, four games that you could kind of pinpoint to or, or five. I think that the – and they, a lot of them come later in the season when the Badgers were playing their best basketball. Um, but I would say that you could look towards when they beat Michigan on the road, when they beat Ohio State in the road uh, early in the season – uh, the Maryland win at home, as well as the late win over Indiana, and then there's the Michigan State game. Um, I think for me, it, it's probably the Maryland game. I think the Michigan State game's got a lot to choose from, but I just didn't – the end of the game just kind of was a dud for me just because there was – neither team could score a bucket for the last – five minutes of that game, and I know it was a huge springboard for them, but there was so much craziness in that Maryland game that it, it really just, the atmosphere at the Kohl Center was so high, and everything just kind of went Wisconsin's way to secure that really cool, late bananas win. It was the one that I'm, I'm going to turn to and say the Maryland game. Yeah, I like that. I had both of them written down. Um, I, I kind of saved, I, I kind of agree with you, but I saved the Maryland game for uh, for a later question, actually the next question, so maybe I'm kind of giving it away. So I went with the Michigan State on that one. Uh, I, I like that you mentioned the end because that was my concern with it because that game, the last five, six minutes was pretty ugly, so it's hard to pick the game of the year, uh, you know, having a, a you know, basically a quarter of the second half being almost unwatchable basketball. But I think just for me, the situation of, of that Michigan State game with, with no King, 
no Davison uh, with the uh, suspension. The season seemed kind of not in shambles, but it looked like uh, it was kind of going off the rails. Um, I I did not expect that you know with the the loss of both of those guys to I didn't think the, the Badgers would would even compete in that game. Uh, granted, you know anytime at the Kohl Center you're going to get uh, you know the Badgers' best fight, but to knock off the you know a top 15 team in that one was kind of special. Um, despite the ugliness, and I think it it really kind of springboarded this team. I know they lost the game right after that in Minnesota, but then after that they went on the big run, and I think it kind of kind of turned some things around. So despite the ugliness, I went with Michigan State, but I think the top two were were Michigan State and that Maryland game. Those were both you know, really special big wins at the Kohl Center. Yeah, and I mean I think the Indiana game also just the way that it that game just ebbed and flowed so much and. It, it just kind of encapsulates their season in a lot of ways because they had so many highs and lows. Like there was times when it looked like Indiana was going to run away with it. Uh, Wisconsin trailed for most of the game, but then they had a huge surge and and eventually held on to win and held Indiana to. I think it was like they made one of their last 14 shots to finish the game. Um, so it, that was another one that I that really jumped out to me. So I think. Any of those three, I don't think you can fault somebody for picking in, in my eyes. Yeah, they were all three great, and I think uh, it all kind of depends on, you know, where you're at and what you're feeling with that team. Uh, so um, all all pretty big special wins, and uh, we're certainly up there. It's just a matter of kind of your, of your preference with those three because they were all pretty exciting. All right, kind of going off of that one uh, in terms of game of the year, I, I, we put down clutch moment of the year, and that's where I hinted at the, the Maryland one. But uh, what did you have as your uh, clutch moment of the 2019-20 season? Yeah, this one's a little tougher because I, I think I can really only narrow into one play just because that uh, that Brad Davison play at the end of that game was one of the better plays uh, I've seen in the last like five years that was just nuts for him to have the wherewithal to throw it off the inbounder and then get it. The crowd's going nuts, but at the same time the Badgers are down. Him to come off that uh, screen and drill the corner three off the inbounds. It, it was just it was like a movie or a storybook type thing that he that he did, and I think that was um, the play. For me, but because um, I'm guessing that's where you're going, I'll 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 switch and I'll go with in the in in the uh, Minnesota game. There was that all out, basically just it was like roller derby going on where everybody was running after a loose ball and Brad Davison ran, ran after it and tipped it up and then Trice got it and threw it over to uh, Pritzel for a three and he drained it. That was. That was another one that it was like such a huge and crucial play in the season. Wisconsin at that point was really struggling. Minnesota had grabbed all momentum at the time, and then they drilled that huge three, and Wisconsin was really struggling down the stretch of that game to score a bucket, and they just were able to hold on for the win. So I think that's another one that was so huge, and it was such a cool thing because it literally was – just go-karts running into each other, and all of a sudden, Trice had the ball, threw it over, and they drilled the three. Yeah, I like that one, too. You know, I went with I went with the Davison one just because I think that was, you know, probably one of the best plays of the last four or five seasons when you think about it, just the way that everything kind of came together uh, in that in that little stretch there. Um, the I, and that one was I was kind of trying to think of some other ones. So I'm glad you brought that up because there were some clutch moments, but I don't think anything really came close to that. Um, yeah, that Davison, you know, two plays there in terms of just pure clutch. Uh, I I was thinking maybe the block at Indiana uh, coming down the stretch there, um, but that wasn't wasn't anywhere close to that Davison shot in my eyes. That was. Just that 30-second spurt for him was, I think, something that will go down in, in Wisconsin basketball lore for a long time. So it's hard for me to look away from from a play like that and, and you know, what Brad Davison did in that last, you know, 30 seconds to win that game because that game should not have really been a Badgers win uh, unless, you know, the pure genius and clutch of, of Brad Davison doesn't, you know, kind of come together there. Yeah, Mark Turgeon in the, in the postgame, 
said hats off to Wisconsin, but that that was just like a – he used the word devastating loss because they had it in their hands. And Maryland should have won that game, but it was just – Wisconsin just made the plays at the end. Uh, the other one was the Nate Reavers block against Minnesota as well. That was another one that was up there for me. That was such a such a big stop there against Daniel Oturu. Um Did you see – I know this is kind of a tangent. Did you see that both Oturu and now uh, Carr from Minnesota are both entering the draft? Yeah, I did see that. I was kind of surprised. I think Oturu is, is pretty talented, but he, he still seems kind of raw to me in terms of you know, going to the next level. He, he's a good big in, in college basketball. I don't know, I don't know how well he's going to translate right away to to NBA life. But I think that was sort of kind of surprising for you know Minnesota fans. I, I think are probably a little surprised by that. I don't know if if it was kind of common knowledge that they thought people that you know that they would depart. But I was certainly surprised. Yeah, I mean, I think Arturo is gonna gonna be okay in the NBA, and then he'll find his footing. But Marcus Carr, I think, could have definitely used a year or two uh, to stay in college. But we'll see. Yeah, I would agree with you. That's going to be an interesting one, and 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 definitely a surprise. Which kind of segues nicely to our uh, next question of the B5Q Award Show here, uh, and that was the the biggest surprise uh, in terms of a player. For this 2019-2020 squad uh, tongue twister, there I I was kind of going a couple different ways, trying to come up with a few different answers. But for me, um, it, it came down to one guy. But who did you have as your kind of biggest surprise for this team? Um, I went with Aleem Ford. I, I thought just the progression he had this year and and how he changed his game really even from the beginning of the year. Uh, was just huge for for this overall complexion of the team. You know, he's a stretch four, but he he kind of played a little three and four this year at times. When you when you have two bigs like Reavers and Potter, they're able to slot him down uh, as well, and that's huge for them. And you know, early in the season, he he kind of got bounced a little bit for Tower Wall, and but then as his game kind of elevated. He, he saw elevated minutes as well, shot a lot better this year than he did last year, and, and overall just did it was better on the boards, was better defensively, was more willing and able to take guys off the bounce. So I, I think he was a guy that really jumped out to me. If you look at his final, or basically from that Minnesota, or that Michigan State game forward, he was in double figures all but three games. So he had just a phenomenal end of the season, uh, and I think he's really set up nicely for next year if he can keep elevating his game, like I said. Yeah, I like that pick. I was kind of debating between uh, him and and the player I chose, uh, and I kind of, again, saved some things for for later questions. But I went with Micah Potter simply because I I knew he would be a a solid rotation player. Um, But for him to come out and play – kind of the way he did and and just take on a much bigger role than I thought that he would bring on. I didn't think he would be, in some people's eyes, you know, a team MVP, a, a guy that, that really kind of seemed to bring this squad together. I expected him to just come in and, and play in the rotation, be a solid option off the bench, but I didn't expect him to be a, you know, walking bucket, you know, key piece to this team when he came back in. So I was debating between those two, but I ended up going with Micah Potter. But I, I really like the Aleem Ford choice, too, because he was he was especially strong down the stretch, and, and his game really started to show uh, as he played some of his basketball later in the season. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a phenomenal choice for that because he, he was such an important and integral part of the team. Well, that kind of brings it to the next one, too, and uh, I was kind of debating this one again, uh, and that was player you were most looking forward to see next season. Maybe you're looking forward to see their progression or, or see where they're at next season or things like that. So who did you have as your kind of player that you're most looking forward to see when they take the court next uh, winter, fall? I'm going to kind of actually go off the board, and I'm going to go with Johnny Davis, the uh, incoming four-star freshman that's out of lacrosse. I think he is a kid who's set up nicely to play right away. Uh, I think Ben Carlson is another freshman that could come in and play right away, but I'm going to go with Carlson as the guy I'm excited to see. 
he brings a little something different to the backcourt that Wisconsin's been needing. He's a lockdown defender. He's supremely, supremely athletic, can take guys off the bounce, something that Wisconsin uh, needs, and I think that would help them in a lot of ways. His, his shot is still developing, but his shot has gotten a lot better. Uh, he, but he's got a good mid-range jumper. But really, just his defensive energy, he's going to be able to help them right away, and he's going to be able to guard some quicker guards in the Big Ten. So I think he's a guy who's going to play uh, extended minutes next year because you are losing Robin Pitzel, who played 27 minutes a game. It, it's going to open up nicely for him because, really, you have Davison, you've got Trice, and there's not much else there. I mean, Trevor Anderson's a good role platoon player as a backup point guard, but he's not the guy you want playing uh, rotationally at shooting guard, whereas you can get a guy like Johnny Davis in there who's a combo guard, a little bit bigger at six foot four, like Brad Davison, can guard a lot of different players, whether it's the, the point or the shooting guard. So I think I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table, and I think he's going to have a role similar to what Tyler Wall had this year, if not possibly a few more minutes per game. Wall finished with like 15. I, I would expect um, Johnny Davis to be closer to that 20 range, possibly. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think he's going to play a little bit more than Wall. I think his skill set um, you know, plays a little bit more to, to really – get him some more minutes and get more into the rotation because he is, you know, he's, he's multifaceted. He can do a lot of different things that this team's going to need next year. So I love the off-the-beaten-path pick. I didn't even think about that in terms of, uh, you know, an incoming freshman. I didn't think about it. But I think it's an excellent pick because he is he's extremely talented, uh, of course, highly coveted in the Wisconsin high school basketball ranks, uh, and, and I think he's going to bring a lot of different strengths to Wisconsin that – this team is, is so desperate. He fits in really nicely, I'll, I'll say, next year coming in because everything that he kind of does well, uh, at, you know, and I, I think his game, of course, translates really well to the next level, but everything that he does well, you can come in and do as a freshman early on and, and really uh, step in right away and work into the rotation. It's everything this Wisconsin team will kind of need next year. So I think that's a great pick. As terms of what I went with, I, you know, like I said, I saved it for uh, my next pick with Aleem Ford, and I went with him simply because I kind of want to see where he's at, you know, next season. I think if he can kind of, if he can kind of clean up his defensive game a little and and maybe use his size a little bit more, maybe get a little bigger in the off season, but also you know keep that shot, um, you know, in confidence the way he was playing down the latter, you know, half of the season. I'd I'd be really excited to see. Where where he kind of gets to next season because Aleem Ford this you know last you know, ten games was playing pretty well. I know he had some up and down games, but he, he seemed to take on his new role uh, with the departure of Kobe King, a guy that really stepped up. So I was I was really excited to see uh, him kind of progress you know in this latter half of the season. But I'm really going to be hopeful you know coming into next season that to see where he's at at and excited to what he can bring because if he plays really well I think it'll be a, a huge piece of this team that they'll need next season. Yeah, I mean I think he's going to be definitely big for this team next year. All right, kind of going off that again and with the next season one, uh it's the the final question is not so much I didn't want to put disappointment for the season, but who is a player that maybe you're expecting more from? next season because there were I think this team got kind of what it was looking for out of most of its guys there were some guys who up were up and down uh through portions of the season but overall uh there weren't too many disappointments uh you know disappointing players or stretches but who are you kind of looking to progress more as as next season goes on I think Tyler Wall, I think we talked about it a little bit in the, in a podcast previous, but, you know, like I said, he averaged about 15 minutes a game. He didn't shoot particularly well um, from three, uh, averaged only 23%. I know that that may never be his game, is the three-point shot, but I, I, I expect his shot to get better. He shot th- 43% from the field, so he can do it. That's not a terrible percentage. He, he does most of his damage inside the lane, but his free throw percentage has also got to get better. He's only 41% from there. And so just if he can clean, 
clean up some of his shooting mechanics, it would go a long way for him because the the reckless abandon and aggressiveness that he plays with really can feed this team a lot of times, and he's a great guy coming off the bench for them. I think next year, just the more he can grow into his body, you know, he's 6'7", 215. Um, he's not that much smaller than Aleem Ford right now, but Aleem's got a little bit more muscle on him. If Tyler Wall can can hit the weight room, continue to add to his frame a little bit to go with the way that he can play so well, uh, I think he'll be a lot better placed. I know a lot of people really want him to control himself and kind of slow things down a little bit. That'll come with experience. He, he sometimes just goes out with his uh, hair on fire and really wants to make a play and is overeager. Part of that is just because he wants to earn those extra minutes. He wants to be out on the court. He wants to help the team so badly. Um, we've seen that from players um, at times. We've seen that from Brad Davison when he does things that you're like, scratch your head over, like, why are you doing that? So I, I think Tyler Wall is, is set up nicely for a better season next year, and I think he's going to help them in a lot, of, a lot of areas because of his positional versatility. Who you yeah. got? Yeah, I I agree with you in a lot of ways. I think he's gonna he would be a guy that you're you're definitely looking for next season based on what he did give to you early on this season and and maybe kind of his progression kind of slowed and that wasn't really his fault. It was more so of a rotation thing and, and other guys just playing uh, better and, and being better fits in the system. But for me, I I went with maybe uh, a choice that, that maybe will take some explanation. But I'm gonna go with Brad Davison. Uh, I just think. Coming into next year as the senior, I, I know this year he averaged 10 points a game and, and had some some stretches and some big games. You know, we talked about the Maryland game. He had some you know some big contests, I think, to the Nebraska game when he had 30, or the Minnesota game he had 20 points. But I think there were some times where Brad Davidson kind of went, just kind of disappeared in a lot of ways, where there were some games or some stretches where – he would, you know, have two, three points. Uh, you know, there was a stretch of two, three, four, and seven. So there were some games where, as as the starting shooting guard, uh, you, you need to have more production than that. I know he's kind of the heart and soul of the team, uh, but from that aspect, I, I look for hope to have a little bit more as a, a senior guy who's played a lot of basketball uh, and is going to come into next season as a, a key piece, a starter, a senior, and then of course. You also hope that the um, you know not the the antics that kind of surround Brad Davidson sometimes hopefully cleans that up as a senior and as a leader of a team. So I I don't think Brad Davidson had a bad season by any stretch. I think he was a good player and I think he played in his role. But as a starting senior in the Big Ten as shooting guard, a four year player, I'm I'm going to be expecting a little bit more from him next season. I think that's fair to to push for that, and I think that he's definitely capable of doing that. All right, well, that brings us to our last one, and it's, of course, the big one, Team MVP. Now, this one for me was, was kind of challenging. Um, I was kind of kicking back and forth a couple names. I know we've had a little bit of MVP discussion, but who did you have as your Team MVP for this season? Uh, for me, it came down to two guys, and they're both interchangeable. Uh, they were interchangeable for most of the year in Nate Reavers and Micah Potter. Um, I, I think in the end, I'm going to go with Potter. Uh, the reason being, he he only played in 20 games this year. He missed the first 10, obviously, because of the NCAA's stupidity and their rules and everything. Um, but that's for another day. Bottom line is, the Badgers were 5-5 five and five prior, to, prior to him joining um, the rotation. And Wisconsin went on to lose only five more games the entirety of the season. And a big reason of that was what Micah Potter brought to the team. Micah Potter brought not only an offensive spark and spark of energy to this team. I mean, you see the way he pumps up the fans, the crowd, his teammates. He has an infectious personality that really rubs onto his teammates. His love of being out there and playing um, speaks for itself. He's another guy like Aleem Ford who was in double figures Basically, ever since the Illinois game on, it seemed like he only had, I think it was seven games the rest of his time uh, after the Illinois game, um, which was basically only his fourth game or fifth game in that he went ahead and it was in double figures. So he was constantly in double figures. He was almost caught Nate Reavers in terms of rebounds for the year. Um, he was only 12 rebounds behind him despite playing uh, – 
more than half this or half as many minutes. And it's it's just basically very telling to see what he brought to this team um, from an offensive standpoint. His defense needs to be better. He knows that um, he's working at it. But at the same time, what he, the spark he brought to this team, both um, in terms of the offense as well as just the the way that the team was able to coalesce after he was able to join them um, and be a leader, it, it really spoke volumes in my eyes. So. I, I really was torn between him and Nate Reavers, but I went with Micah Potter just because I think he was the most important player on the team when you look at the fact that prior to him being there, they were a 500 team that looked like they weren't going to make the NCAA tournament and was losing to mid-major programs. Flash forward to the end of the year, and, and they're winning the Big Ten. So I, I think there's no um, – there's no uh, getting away from the correlation there between those two events. Yeah, I love how you put that because I was the same way where I was kicking it back and forth with Reavers and Potter because if you look at strictly numbers uh, for a, a, you know, a whole season, Nate Reavers, he was very consistent. He, you know, There weren't a lot of games where he, he wasn't showing up and, and scoring and getting rebounds and, and playing defense. He was consistent across the board for a whole season, but Again, when it came down to, I, I think in MVP discussions, whether it be anywhere in any sport, I think you know most valuable player, I think sometimes the acronym of MVP doesn't get looked at in terms of what it truly means. And I think value-wise, I, I have to go with Micah Potter because, like you said, without him, does this team you know go on a, a stretch to end the season and, and clinch a share of the Big Ten title? I don't think so. Without Nate Reavers, would they do it? Probably not because, again, he was Mr. Consistent. But at the same time, Micah Potter could have stepped into that role and and still done some pretty strong things. So I think it's probably neck and neck. I think either way you made an argument for either guy, and and you could accept that. But, again, you 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 mentioned it uh, in a lot of ways that maybe he doesn't have all the stats, A, because he didn't play as many games, but – also, just the heart and the the energy he brought, the spark he brought off the bench. I think it's hard to to, to argue Micah Potter, uh, you know, not winning that. But I can see how you can make a case for Nate Reavers. But for me, it came down to you know a lot of those uh, things that maybe off the court or aren't measured by stats. And, and Micah Potter was huge in that team's you know final stretch and and uh, you know a Big Ten title. It's it's hard to dispute that. Yeah, I mean, he led the team in shooting percentage from the field at over 50% and from three-point and um, shooting almost 47%, which is a very high clip, for, especially for a big man. Um, 47% was nearly um, 10 percentage points higher than the next highest, which was Brevin Pritzel. So that's telling you just how well he shot the basketball all season long. And I think, you know, he just brought so much to this team and was such a huge part to – the resurgence that they had over those final 20 games that he was part of the team. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it would have been hard to to make a case against Micah Potter in a lot of ways because what he did in the time he was out there was so important and so crucial. So, uh, and, and, you know, next season we'll we'll get a chance to see, not that it's competition between Reavers and Potter, but next year we'll, we'll get a full season of Micah Potter and Nate Reavers and we'll kind of see if – if that you know kind of balances out, and, you know, Micah Potter looks like a guy I think next year that could completely take over in the Big Ten Conference. So, uh, not that it's a competition between the two, and I don't think those two see each other as a competition, obviously as being teammates. But uh, I think we'll get a a good picture as to you know where where that maybe debate coming into you know last season into next season kind of uh, you know ends up. But either one, if you wanted to make them co MVPs of Nate Reavers and and Micah Potter, I think you could. But for me. Potter just takes the cake for, you know, a lot of intangible things that you can't measure on the basketball court. For sure. Anything else you want to talk uh, award-wise? Otherwise, we'll we'll get into some other fun stuff, but we're going to go ahead and kick it to some ads before we do that. Yeah, let's go ads, and we can talk a little bit of the, the tournament and as well as um, kind of our how we would spend our $15. All right, guys, stick with us. We're going to kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our fan favorite discussion and our $15 chart discussion. All right, guys, welcome back to Bucky's fifth podcast. In the back half of the show here, 
we are going to talk about uh, some fun stuff that we have been doing over at Bucky's Fifth Quarter uh, in terms of the uh, site itself. We are running a Bucky's Fan Favorite Tournament Bracket. Matt and Drew have been hard at work. It looks beautiful. I've been paying attention and reading to it very closely, and I think it's it's been hugely engaging in terms of uh, our readers, and uh, hopefully your listeners can check it out. Um, yeah, essentially, it's a, a bracket of, you know, it marches bracket season, so going through uh, different regions and things of that. But, Matt, you have obviously been you know, more in tune with the project with Drew, so tell everybody just kind of a little bit about uh, what you've got going on and, and how you kind of set this up with him. Yeah, so we got a bracket, and it's the it's basically 64 of the top players from the last 20 years. Really, if you look at the last 20 years, these are the players that were the most impactful within that time range. Uh, we didn't go pa- past that simply because this past year they did reference the 20-year reunion, brought everybody back from that Final Four team. So we wanted to kind of pay homage to that a little bit. Um, but basically, we're going through round by round. Right now we're in a round of 32. Um, and we've had some upsets uh, of some really some, some voter turnout for some current players that came in hot. Um, and then we, uh, I'm pretty sure we've got uh, somebody got trolled or somebody really, really disliked uh, Frank Kaminsky for some odd reason. <laughs> and uh, he, he lost to Maurice Linton, which, um, you know, we, we tried to contact Matt Brown, who is um, – our bosses at SB Nation, he was like, well, there's not much you can do. Um, and he tried to, like, f- dig up what was going on, but we weren't able to figure it out. So um, in in the fairness to the bracket, we didn't want to go through and, and say, well, that one was rigged, so we're going to continue to go on, even though there was other ones that who knows how they voter turnout would have been if, you know. So we it's been uh, a little turmoil, little turmoil added into it um, just because, you know, a number one seed, um, getting beaten by a guy who is a one-year starter as a senior is pretty crazy. But, um, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun, and I hope fans are enjoying it. Yeah, I've enjoyed <laughs> and I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be my question. I was, you know, I, I hadn't seen kind of how uh, things were going to determine. I know it's just been a vote, but I was <laughs> very surprised to see Maurice Linton upset uh, – the Badgers, uh, All-American, Golden Boy, back-to-back Final Fork, Frank Kaminsky. I was blown away by that. So I was wondering what the explanation kind of was. But, um, you know, it, 16 seeds uh, upset. We've seen it before with UMBC. So uh, congrats to uh, Maurice Linton for, for making that uh, first-round upset. But I was just kind of looking through the bracket, and there's a lot of, you know, absolutely nostalgia is a, a big factor in this. And just reading through some of these names, I think this is going to get hotly contested. I mean, when you look at some of the brackets, there's some some good matchups. I mean, I look at the one below uh, Linton and Frank Kaminsky with with Zach Showalter and Kirk Penny as a five four. Those were two players that you know just as fan favorites. Those two were were highly loved in terms of what they did uh, on the court. So it's it's going to be fun to see how this thing kind of shakes out down the stretch. And I think uh, you guys have done a great job on on. Uh, you know, making sure to you know get some big names involved. And I think engagement-wise, it seems like the fans have have really been into it. It's it's been pretty cool to watch and and read through. Yeah, it's been fun doing research and, and going back and remembering little stories for each player. We're gonna go more in depth uh, as the bracket gets deeper. Um, right now, with round of two, thirty-two, we're basically just going using some some stock here's a little background for each player but as we get going we'll we'll branch it out beyond drew and i to um, other people in our um, writing community and, and people will dive a little deeper into what they really remember about these players and talk about specific games and whatnot but it, it is there's so many really good matchups for example the one today i know that the numbers don't bear it up but josh gosser versus andy kowski is a really good matchup at a 5-4 um and and some of our some of the um, seedings are a little wonky because we did want to also make it so that there was um, some some talk between it and that it wasn't just going to be completely chalky and everything. So um, now, did we expect Frank Kaminsky and Maurice Linton? Hell no. But um, but uh, you know, for some of it, we we expected some things to to go crazy, and we kind of were hoping for that because there's no different than the NCAA tournament. If there weren't upsets, that wouldn't give us anything to talk about, and 
Um, we don't mean anybody to get real big mad at us, but at the same time, uh, we do want it, it to be fun and, and just something lighthearted for us to, to pass time as we deal with COVID-19. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even tomorrow, there's a huge matchup between Joe Krabinoff and Bronson Koenig. So there's there's some some really juicy matchups that are going on, and, and I hope people get out and vote and, and really take it take it serious and try to re- recall some of their favorite memories of some of these players because they, uh, they've they done a lot for, for UW and it, it's cool to kind of see where a lot of them are now and as well as what, and remember what they have done. Very cool. So tomorrow, if people are read, listening to this and they want to go vote, they can go over to Bucky Smith's quarter. You guys will be able to find the article and uh, click on the, the buttons in the article. You guys will be able to vote and things like that. And I think, the voting will be open for that Kane and Krabenhoff matchup when they're listening to this, so they should be able to go over to Bucky's fifth quarter and find it and vote right away, right? Yep, and then the voting closes at midnight. I know some people have had a hard time with the mobile voting. Um, if you click on the upper right-hand corner, if you have an iPhone at least, um, of the screen, um, you can go ahead and at Bucky's fifth quarter and click to go to a, a, a different – you click on um, Request Desktop App uh, website uh, where by clicking on the double A, and that'll make it so that you can actually vote. Um, that's not something that we have any control over. It's just that the polls within SB Nation work the way that they do, and they get stripped by Apple News. So we kind of do with it as we can, but at the same time, uh, it's part of it. But if you're using an iPad or anything like that, it makes it a lot easier to vote. Very cool. Yeah, guys, make sure to go over and check that out. Um, it's It's been a lot of fun. If you haven't seen it already, um, you know, we think our, our readers and, and followers are very knowledgeable on, on Wisconsin athletics. You know, you guys are, are very in tune with everything from recruiting to, to former players, everything like that. So I'm really interested to see how this kind of shakes out uh, and, and who comes home the champion because it's not like it's not like people from across the country are, are voting on this. Uh, this is pretty much going to be uh, Badger fans that are they're well in tune with the Wisconsin basketball program. So make sure to weigh in your opinions and get those votes in, and we'll we'll see who uh, comes the champion as we get into you know the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eights, and and eventually uh, down the road we'll we'll crown a champion. It'll be a lot of fun. So make sure to follow along with us on Bucky's fifth quarter. All right, the other topic that we were going to touch on, and, and this has kind of been circulating the Twitter sphere. Uh, if you're on Twitter and you're a Wisconsin fan, you probably saw this, but if not, I'll make sure to uh, link it and give credit to the original poster and have it in our post so you guys can see it. But essentially, it's a $15 scale, um, and you get to pick a player from each position, uh, each one with a $5, $4, and $1 increment uh, in terms of value. So uh, a lot of other Wisconsin basketball names, but any uh, any big surprises that you saw in terms of the value of some of these guys, Matt? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought some some of them were a, a little a little off, but really it, it was kind of cool. I think this was from Badger Maniac. Am I right on that? Yes, I think so, yep. yep. Yeah, so, so kudos to you, Badger Maniac. Um, give you a shout-out in this. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at it, and some of them are a, a little, a little lower than what you'd expect um, in my eyes. But I, but at the same time, a lot of it also makes sense. I, I think you look at a guy. Some of the guys are criminally underrated, where you can get some good value. But I think that's what's so fun about this. Um, and then you've got some some guys who are a little bit older, like like Danny Jones, for example, who was a really good scorer back in the day. But at the same time, you know, as, as a six foot six power forward, it's a little harder to do in the modern uh, basketball now. Um, so I'm I'm fascinated to hear who you uh, w- would pick as your uh, starting five out of that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways. I've I've kicked around a few different situations, and for me, I was trying to find, you know, like you said, a, a player in in modern day basketball. If I I went with and said, if I'm playing modern day basketball which five guys would I want on my team? And I I struggled with a few different ones because Kirk Penny, for me, was a player that, that I really valued, and, and he was kind of a fan favorite for me growing up and, and one of my favorite players. But in today's game, I don't know how well it would translate. The same thing kind of goes, uh, even with Ethan Happ. I was like, you know, Ethan Happ was a tremendous scorer and dominating player, but 
I don't think I'd spend four points on a, on a guy that came just because he had some skill sets that were um, a little narrow compared to you know modern day basketball. So for me, I went I went cheap with my guards. I took the the one point of Trayvon Hughes and Josh Gosser. Said I'm going to go cheap with the guards, and then I went with um, Decker at the at the small forward with four points, and then I went with Lure at power forward with four points, and then I went with Kaminsky uh, at the uh, center position with five points. I think between Decker, Lure, and Kaminsky, uh, three big, tall tall players, athletic guys that can stretch the floor. You know, I think back in those final four runs when Frank was knocking down shots, Lure can come out of the paint a little bit and knock down some shots. So I think for those three, um, I, was, I was happy to spend a little bit extra on. Um, and then for the other two, you know, Josh Gosler, I think at a one was was kind of a steal uh, because of his defense. He can knock down some shots, and then Trayvon Hughes, whether you loved him or didn't like him at Wisconsin, he was a pretty solid player, pretty solid defender. The only thing I worry about with my fifteen dollars squad is is getting you know distributing the basketball. Um, you know, I think uh, a true point guard, you know, it would have been maybe a better fit. But for the money, you know, I took Trayvon Hughes and Gosser at the guard positions, and then went big on my forwards and center with uh, Frank to take and Decker and Lure. What about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I, I really like that squad. I think that would be a really, really, I mean, you'd win a national title with that if they're all in their primes, like, let's be real. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I, I really wanted to take Davin Harris on my team. Uh, he was just one of my favorites growing up. Um, I remember donning his jersey. Um, but I actually went with the same backcourt combo as you did. I went with uh, trying to get value in my uh, guards. So I've partied with Trayvon Hughes, so I, I uh, value anytime I can get somebody that I've partied with um, on there. Um, and uh, so I went with him, really locked down defender, him and Josh Gosser. I really wanted guys who are going to be able to hit shots and, and be scorers, but also be stout on defense. My team is really um, lends itself more towards the defensive end, but um, then having some scoring as well. So I actually wanted Hughes because he was more of a, a scoring point guard. Um, yeah. You know, he, he was a defender and he was hunting his shot, which is, which is fine for the other guys around him because I I actually brought in Kaminsky as well. I think he's the best center Wisconsin's had. I think he's the most dominant player that they've had in a long time. I think anytime you can get a guy who scored 18 and 8 as a senior, got 8 8.2 rebounds and also had two and over two and a half assists and shot the ball from 3 the way he did at over 40%. You want that? Um what I ran into was um, kind of a hodgepodge in the middle. Yeah. And I, I tried to figure out numbers-wise, and I have some beef with the um, placement of some players because Nigel Hayes uh, was a four for the vast majority of his career. He was the four next to Kaminsky, so that's a logical place for him in my eyes because Decker was the three on that team. Um you know, Decker being six, six, seven, six, nine, somewhere in that range. Nigel being six, eight. They they both could play the the small forward position, but Nigel was uh, a better power forward than him, uh, especially defensively. So I, I I wanted Hayes in the power forward. So if mm-hmm. I get power forward, I'm I'm happier than hell. But I it, I'm guessing I can't. So either way, I'm taking Tucker. Um, once again, like Harris. Another one of my favorite players uh, growing up. He was just such a dynamic scorer um, all every year. You know, even the year the where he only played four four games before he got hurt, um, he w- he was already off to a great start. He, he's so so talented. Um, you know, had just such a great career for Wisconsin, but he wasn't a great three point shooter. So I wanted to make sure that I put three point shooters all around him. So Trayvon Hughes shot thirty six percent. I, I know Josh Gosser shot over 40%. Kaminsky shot over 40% uh, his senior year. He was a really good three-point shooter. Um, and then uh, basically it was between if I could squeeze in Nigel Hayes as a four or I uh, was basically out of the John Luer contention. I wasn't, wasn't able to get him because I would have overpassed it. Danny Jones, uh, I'm not going to go with the 6'6 uh, power forward from back in the day. 
Brian Butch. I'm not going two seven-footers um, just simply because Alondo Tucker needs space to, to work inside. So Frank Kaminsky can float. Uh, which is which is his game. He can take guys off the dribble. So I went with Marcus Landry, and I know I'm kind of wasting two points there. Um, but at the same time, Marcus Landry was such a um, tremendous player. I just love the Rex specs. You know, he was undersized at six seven, but having a guy like having a guy like um, him on the team who is also good at defense, along with Frank Kaminsky who is good at defense. And and you've got a really good defensive team. I think Landry shot really well from three as well. He shot over um, 36% every year of his career from three. Um, so he's a guy that can play it inside out as well, can distribute the ball, just a really smart player. So I think I, I went with Landry, but if I could get Nigel Hayes, I would take Nigel Hayes. Yeah, I, I see what you mean on that because if you put yeah if you put Hayes at the at the power forward, you'd have a another pretty solid team in in Hughes, Gasser, Tucker, Hayes, and Kaminsky. That that team would be would be right up there as you know a uh, you know a Final Four national championship type squad because they're they're all tremendously talented, but. If you were playing with yeah within the parameters, you know I I agree with you. I wouldn't want to take uh, a Brian Butch. He was good for his team and, and the role that they had. But if you're putting together a you know dominating team and, and trying to find the best at all five positions, I think Brian Butch kind of hampers that a little bit. Even even guys like Mike you know Mike Wilkinson again at, at power forward, not a lot of range. I don't know if he would be a a value, but a five. So if you you know. If you could just go with any five, regardless of positions, I think that would change that a lot. And and Hayes would be a a great value player at that power forward position that could uh, bring some bring some extra energy to the table along with an Alondo Tucker. That would be a a lethal you know five player combo. Yeah, and I mean the big thing was what I was running into is Bronson Koenig as a shooting guard, you know, he's, he was a point for most of his time at Wisconsin, you know, but I also understand how he could be an, an off guard. Um, it, he's pretty much the only other value play you can really get from the guard position. I like Wes Matthews. Uh, he's another guy or Tracy Webster, but um, it, it's hard to kind of pull the trigger on that. So it's, it's hard to look at it through the lens of modern basketball where you're shooting threes and, and valuing getting those extra extra shots up that it's hard to go with guys that can't hit the three. So, um, you know, I, ideally you go, if you can pick anything without value, um, values on it, I would go Devin Harris, Michael Finley, Alondo Tucker, John Luer, and Frank Kaminsky personally. But yeah, um, yeah. That, 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 is that what you do? Yeah. That five would be, would be hard to beat in, in pretty much any scenario. I mean, I think, I think all, Five of those were the best at their position. I mean, point guard Devin Harris to me is is by far and away better than the other four. Uh, Michael Finley, you could maybe make an argument for Kirk Penny, but I don't think you can make an argument against Michael Finley. And then, uh, yeah, T- Tucker is kind of far and away better than you know than the other four. And then uh, I think Lure. Would, I if if I was putting the values myself, I would have Lure be the five point, and then Frank I think is far and away so. If you had those five, I think those are your best five players. If you could just pick, you know, basically any five from the last, you know, how many years in terms of just pure domination in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I and I loved Mike Wilkinson rocking that fifty-four, you know, and he was just such a tremendous player. But yeah, I think I think in terms of um, where they're actually seated, I would go with Lure. I know part of that is just because he had a, a better career after Wisconsin, where he he was, you know was in the NBA for a, an extended period of time, um, still is. I mean, that that's kind of a big deal, um, especially at a program with like Wisconsin where you don't necessarily have guys stick around forever in the league, like, like Devin Harris and Michael Finley both did, um, playing for over 15 years apiece. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's going to be a, a fun – it would be a fun team to kind of watch and see where these, these guys are kind of at, so – but I think it was a fun little project to look at some of those names and, and try to come up with them because there's a lot of good teams you could put together, even if you went through on the cheap with, with just a Hughes, Gosser, Hayes, Butch, and, and Berger in lineup. That that team's still pretty good. So there's a lot of valuable players in this team, and that's why I think 
uh, for Wisconsin and made the situation pretty fun. Yeah, I think I think it's great, and I, I'm thank you, uh, Badger Maniac, for going ahead and and making that. I think there's a lot of different ways you can go, but yeah, I mean, the if you don't have Josh Gosser in your team, I think you're doing it wrong. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, because his his value as a one point uh, pick is is just so high. Yeah, yep, I totally agree with you. He was for me, it was an easy choice because he could he could knock down shots defensively you're not going to find a better guard in, in that role that he was in so he was he was one of my favorite badgers ever, ever. so to get him uh on one point and, and basically kind of get the band back together with Decker and, and Frank and him and then mix in two so I mean John Lure kind of gets overshadowed because of those final four teams that were so good but and, and then Trayvon Hughes as well so I think uh both the squads that we put together if if we could put them on the court and, and see how they run uh, against anybody. It would be a lot of fun to watch. But anything else you want to touch on with the 15-hour chart? Otherwise, we'll uh, wrap up another episode. Uh, I, I also would say that uh, in, in terms of the tournament, it's just really fun to, to see um, players that, like, I, I went to UW-Madison, so I was around a lot of these players and kind of knew them and have experiences around that. So it was just it's just cool to, to see kind of, um, where they are now, as well as just kind of what other people's impressions and and getting to know like what other people's stories. I didn't know one of our readers had posted a uh, something that happened with him when he was at the uh, a Minnesota basketball game with John Luer. That was a cool story to read. So um, keep telling us your stories that you have from these players. It's always fun because um, I remember when uh, partying with this team one uh, the. 09 10 team me and a bunch of friends uh with them when they just crashed our uh party one time after they had won a big game and it was uh it was a lot of fun and a lot of stories that won't leave uh or make the airwaves of this but it's just a, a funny thing and so keep telling us your stories as well um as you read the brackets and comments uh we do enjoy them and i know everybody else who is part of the community enjoys them as well most definitely, and you know, nostalgia right now especially plays a factor because we're we're not making new memories in terms of Wisconsin basketball or football, so we're looking back to old ones, so we definitely want to hear them. And, and seeing some of these names, both in the, the $15 chart and the bracket, has been fun to watch and think back on because there's been a lot of great moments in, in Wisconsin basketball that uh, you can kind of bring back to the forefront now that you don't have a, a March Madness this season. So, guys, uh, make sure to keep following along. Uh, give us some comments on, on what you think of the episode. Give us some comments on the bracket, and uh, let us know what you guys think on your $15 discussion uh, that uh, was put out by Badger Maniac, uh, because I think it's been a lot of fun, and the, and the Twitter sphere has been throwing out a lot of different squads. So, guys, thank you again for listening. We'll be back with you later on in the week, and as always, on Wisconsin. <laughs> Thank you.